Righto. Uh, mate, Matt, what do we call you, Willie? Oh, fuck, whatever. I fucking don't care. I've just spent seven years in the army. You call me dickhead, lid, whatever. I'm, I'm in. But most people refer to me as Willie. Because you're, you're a civvy now, aren't you, as of two days ago? Yeah, as of two days ago. So you might get the juicy insight on um, now the government's not breathing down my neck on everything I say and do and phone I calls on fucking everyone as soon as I post anything. Mate, we got the inside loop. We got the, uh, what have we got? The exclusive with fucking Willie. Oh, somewhat. <laughs> so take us through it, bro. You were, you were grunting the, pre your fucking rise to unfortunate fame. What's the, what's your, ser- what's your service issue so people get to know the fucking man, the myth, the legend? Yeah, so I got into the army uh, late 2014, straight out of school. Um, I was still like real hungover from my year 12, like graduation. Um, rocking up to Kapuka, just fucked, like this is shit, to get me screamed at. Um, and then you go know, through the whole Kapuka, Singo sort of staff post down, um, 7th Battalion, um, did pretty much in the first 12 months, really like my CFA and DFSW course, whatever. And then in 2017, uh, deployed on uh, FPE 7 uh, to Kabul in Afghanistan. Uh, came home, did a bit of traveling, whatever, with that bulk trip cash um and then yeah pretty much came back to headaches and whatever um went to the med center being called a linger <laughs> from the boys like oh, fuck off mate it's, it's pack march friday no wonder no wonder you've <laughs> suddenly got a headache <laughs> fuck off willie um go down there next thing i'm in a fucking cat scan machine and that afternoon in an mri tube like all this shit going down <laughs> um to find a brain tumor uh, and then that sort of kicked off all that shit. And now I'm, now I'm out sitting with you, lads. So what do you do, mate? Like, what at that point, because, I mean, you're a straight shooter and, and you've, you've documented your journey through it all pretty honestly and openly, mate. Um, was your life going where you wanted to go prior to the diagnosis? And, like, were you killing it or were you sort of floundering around? And then at the point that you're, like, get the diagnosis what was going through your fucking head mate yeah so like i'd say everything was on like such a fucking good track um like i just deployed um and then i'd spent five weeks overseas in europe um you know visiting churches and shit not meeting girls on kentucky and fucking around um not as young diggers do but then like i'd pretty much spent the last 18 months training for uh 2018 um sasr selection um App was in everything, you know, was ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, you could have really peeked me into that. And then, you know, I went for this, you know, initial just, hey, I want to get some drugs and a headache because it was in the same week, it was early February when, February 18, when codeine became uh, like a, uh, a drug in a prescription form. And me being like, well, this headache is getting, you know, covered by codeine, but I don't want to get DT'd and then get booted out of the army. So I'll go and see a doctor. And it was really just a spiral of just luck that ended up actually finding um, this tumor. But everything was on like such a good trajectory. Um, and I probably didn't realize how good of a trajectory I was on until it, everything sort of fell to shit. Um, like if you asked me then, how's everything going? I would have been like, well, I'm not fucking fit enough and this is shit and you know, this person doesn't like me. Or I would have had you know other stuff. But now I look back, I'm like, shit, if I could just relive the days then that would have been fucking heaps better 
Uh, and then, so at that point, because, I mean, the whole idea of the ISS podcast is finding guys who are high performing, have suffered through and shown resilience and are moving forward. And this is the exact thing that we want to showcase. But mm. did you did you go downhill or did you stay positive? Or did you, like, what was the, were you like, well, fuck it. I got brain cancer. I'm done. I'm just going to sink myself in the bottom of a bottle. Or were you like, no, fuck it. I'm going to go forward. There's a little bit of that. Um, look, in the, the, the beginnings is fucked because you don't know. Uh, you don't know. It could be anywhere from you've got two weeks to live through 20 years. But until those, like, uh, those initial um, tests come back, you don't know shit. So within, say, two weeks of my initial scan, I was on a hospital bench getting a biopsy, getting my um, head cut open. I've got, like, a 50-cent piece hole cut out of my brain. Um, uh, sorry, out of my skull to take a biopsy of the tumour and whatever. And I woke up from that surgery. It's pretty, like, any neurosurgery is pretty fucking traumatic on the body because they're prodding around in your fucking head. Um, and I woke up from that thinking I'm going to get, like, the exact outline of what the fuck's going on. It wasn't until I sort of woke up, came to, and the doctor's like, yeah, so, like, six to eight weeks, mate, we'll have your, um, your results back because I've got to go to a lab and do all this shit. That six to eight weeks was fucked. Um, I had no, no cares because I was like, well, I think your mind, or at least my mind, went, it's going to be the worst way. Um, and those weeks of just hanging in, like, limbo, hanging in limbo is worse than having bad or good news. Like, it's just terrible. Because at least if he's like, hey, you've got two weeks to live, you'd be like, fuck this, I'm going to Mykonos. Um, where, <laughs> you're just hanging in limbo, you don't know what to do. Um, so that was, you know, that, that was pretty bad. Um, and my memory on that whole time I don't know if it's the stress and anxiety ruined my memory of it or the chemotherapy following. Um, Cause I know the chemo has a massive effect on your brain and what they call chemo brain memory. But thinking back to it, that was just like a blur of like casual sex and drinking and fucking around. Um, luckily I was at that point still cashed up from Afghan. So that was probably a, a big help. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until, you know, those diagnoses came through that you start, you know, piecing your life somewhat back together and do what you can. So you weren't like running orange lights and going to the casino and like getting fucking lifelong loans out and shit. Like, well, fuck it. Yeah, well, thank fuck I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but like the the, fun, the funniest one I I say is I like in that like time I didn't I like was like I'm not brushing my fucking teeth. Like you sort of you brush your teeth, so your teeth are healthy for the next dental appointment. And then when you're 60, you've got teeth and shit. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Like, what's the point of that? Um, like, it's just not happening. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want. I'm not, no, I'm not doing this shit. It's just like, but like, you know, I think um, it was, I'd say it's still within a healthy range of like um, reactions to that sort of news. Um, like you, you can't ever expect anyone, a young, particularly a young man, uh, I'll, I'll use high performing, uh, maybe high performing on the piss, but um, you can't really expect a really fantastic, like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and eat vegan and be spiritual and do yoga and shit, because it just wouldn't fucking work for me anyway. So mate, I've got an honesty question, hand on the heart. Mm. Does it work for or against picking up chicks? Is it a pickup line to let them know I've got cancer? Oh. Have you heard the whole Tinder fucking story about me? No, mate. So <laughs> uh, I got in trouble from work about this because I was on um, the 7pm project 
telling this fucking story. But so within like a couple of weeks of my diagnosis, pretty, pretty fucking quick, um, I changed my Tinder bio to um, I've got brain cancer, so I'm literally dying to meet you, not here for anything long term. And like, so in the first like week, I was getting fucking abused by chicks. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then it would come back to me like, uh, no, I'm fucking, I'm serious. And they're like, oh, fuck. And so it got up on the back foot. Um, so then I had to update like my third photo in was like an MRI scan. So then you pick up like all the like doctors and nursing students. So yeah, my, um, you know, in that initial like 12 months, my sex life went through the roof. Oh, I say, if you, if you want to have a better sex life, get brain cancer. It's fucking good. <laughs> Don't recommend it. That's not worth it. Uh, let's go. Because the army, we had a bloke, we went to New Zealand with a dude. We sailed, um, before I got out of the army, we sailed to New Zealand on an exercise on one of the boats. And we had a young bloke who was, uh, Webb his name is, mm. he's still in one hour. And he, he was like, oh man, I'm sick. I feel sick all the time and I'm crooked in the guts. I'm like, you're just being weak, mate. Uh, you got you got seasickness. Fuck off. Yeah. And this went on for two weeks. He's like, and he was laying cr- crawled up in a ball in in his bunk, and we're like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? He's like, nah, I'm really bad. Like, go to the RAP, mate. You might as well. He went there and he got helicoptered off the fucking boat, and he had uh, like terminal stomach, liver, cancer that had spread through his body. Is it? His spine. It was like, uh, I think it's, there was, when he first got it, there was only five people in Australia that had that, that, that form of cancer. Then one of the boys caught up with him recently and he was like, so how's that going? Being the, one of the five. And he's like, there's only three now. <laughs> yeah. Fucking races on mate. <laughs> but the army looked out, he's still in the army, mate. And he had the option. So army looked after him and said, Hey, look, what do you want to do? You, you know, you go on sick leave and never have to come into work, mate. And he's like, no, if I don't come into work, I will go mental. Mm. Um, and I think he's actually in remission now, mate. Uh, or to the point where the, the, the tumors are shrinking and they can operate. Yeah. Um, what was your experience with Army? Noting that, noting that there's a lot of people out there who play the victim and are, and are, and are quick to jump on Army to, to, to bash him about everything. But what's your experience in the, in the space? Uh, my experience has been like overall fucking very positive. Um, but there's sort of two sides to it. The green side of like the army and then the civvy medical side. Um, and I guess then there's a third fucking element who's then the re- like rehab side um, of that link between the green and the fucking doctors. Um, rehab, fucked. Um, the green side, awesome. Like it was literally like from the commanding officer fucking down through everyone. Like anything I needed was on fucking hand. Uh, doctors, um, you know, in, in the fucking medical center, they were awesome as well. Um, it was where we ran into the problems was the rehab side. Um, because you know, you got to remember in the beginning, I'm finding out all the shitty shitties too. Like, I don't even know, I didn't even know what an oncologist was. Um, and that rehab side really failed me, at least in the beginning, really failed me on, um, finding out what I needed, who I needed to see whatever it should have been handballed off to hey army rehab doesn't do this we do sore backs and shin splints we don't do fucking brain cancers it should have been handballed to the cancer council or someone like that initially and gone hey this this is fucking above us so you didn't get referred to physio for like a physio program return to work (laughs) 
fucking literally it's like that <laughs> like it was like oh, we want you to do some and shit i'm like Can't, that's not gonna fix me like fuck me um but like the green side like and i still keep in touch with all um like well i've gone through a couple of ceos whatever but all of them like um closely and I, like all the boys like the, the support of the boys is always you know that that's where army lives breathe um it's always about it's what it's always been about. It's always about the boys. Um, that was just awesome. Um, the, the story I tell was uh, so my birthday is March 10th, um, and I first was diagnosed. So I got the headaches was early February, and then March 9th was my first appointment with an oncologist. Um, and I didn't know what an oncologist was until I Googled it in his office, um, being fucking a cancer doctor. I was like, oh, fuck. I get more serious than I thought then. <laughs> Went in, uh, whatever, must have put in like the, like, you know, found out the news. I must have put in like the inbox, like, hey, boys, yeah, this is what's happening. And they planned um, like a surprise piss up for me that night um, for my birthday the next day, would have been my 22nd. Um, and the fuckers changed it from Willie's birthday party to Willie's death party. So <laughs> it was it all up like, Whatever the fucking drive is from like Tea Tree Plaza in Adelaide to Largs Bay, it's like 35 minutes. I'd had like 35 minutes to like, you know, dissect the news to walking into this surprise. Here's a fucking beer at Willie's death party. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but that shit, it just made it like, I'm not above taking the piss out of it. Like, you know, it, it's just one of those fucking things. Um, and, you know, that support was always there, but the army had always done me well. Um, and medical. You know, you need to be fucking very proactive with the medical system. They can get you anything you need. Um, but you need to pound them about, like, with your GP or whatever. Like, well, no, I need this referral today. I need this, I need this, I need this. Because um, it's doable. It's just very fucking hard. Um, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys, particularly, I'm fucking incredibly grateful, a lot of guys looking out for me too. I got fucked around once um, with an appointment getting... Um, like canned, uh, it was going to get canned because I couldn't drive um, after my brain surgery for like six months. Um, and the commanding officer at the time walked him, like he just walked into the med center. And apparently, like, oh, I was off work, um, but apparently he just walked in, was just lighting cunts up. Like he just walked in, like nah, I don't give a fuck who's in here. <laughs> I'm not leaving until Willie's got his all his shit booked to go to this appointment. Blah blah blah. So like, um, I was looked out for. Um, from the top and there's a lot of people who i don't know who to thank too um i know when i first went saw charlie a doctor um charlie teo in sydney uh i walked in and he was like oh willie i've got a call off um you know one of your friends today over at perth um you know he told me to look out for you blah 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 i'm like i'm not from fucking perth he's like oh some of the um I've, I've operated on some of the boys who are over there from like blast injury blah 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 and i'm like what the fuck um and some random fucking cat um, must have, you know, dropped fucking T.O. a line, been like, hey, look after this fucking vlog. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't... Yeah, it'd be very hypocritical of me to, to sort of um, bash on the military system because they looked after me fucking beyond belief. So what do you... Do, the dark humour, black humour stuff, has that been one of your coping mechanisms? Oh, it has been, like, the primary coping mechanism from... Fucking, it, well, I think it developed, you know, fucking, or I've always had it, but it develops through your army career. Um, it's the same coping mechanism everyone has. Um, and then, yeah, it sort of just, 
it just became that, um, I guess, even even more so when I was diagnosed. Um, and I think it comes to the point of, like, if you can't joke about something, you haven't truly come to terms with it. Um, and I sort of, I ask, uh, like I did a podcast recently where I was telling the guy, like, you need to look inside yourself and go, what do I not find funny? Like, at what point, if someone says something about me to me, do I go, nah, that's fucking unacceptable? And I'm like, they're the things you should work on because you're obviously not fucking comfortable with it. Like, you know, if you've got a little bit, of, if you carry a little bit of weight, no one gives a fuck. But if you can't joke about, it, like, oh, I've got fucking titties, like, you're not comfortable with it and you should change that and fucking get in a treadmill or whatever. Um, and I sort of came to terms with, like, if me and all the boys can take the piss out of this, you know, I've sort of come to terms with it. Um, yeah, and I'm willing to take the piss. Like, the boys, when I started chemo, because we had another piss up, like, the night before I started chemo, which was a massive fucking regret. If anyone does chemo, don't get drunk the night before because your organs are going to be in fucking the hurt locker and then you take, and you just fuck. Is that what the first thing your doctors would tell you, mate? You are better start chemo, just stay off the piss? Yeah, fucking A. Um, but then, like, the next day... Well. Yeah, fucking A. But I'm there, like, getting, like, I'm chemoing up and shit. Um, and the boys send me a link and, like, the boys are at my house where I used to live and they've put all my shampoo and conditioner and shit on Gumtree for sale. And I'm like, you fucking pricks. Um, I didn't end up losing my hair anyway. Like, I thinned out a lot, but I didn't lose it. But, like, I, I just think it's such, like, a grounding thing. Um, I, I think humour, um, in many cases, look at anything in the military and whatever, and I, particularly military stuff, humour gets people through so much shit. Um, and it is a fantastic coping mechanism. Um, but there's always that serious side of like any one of those lads doing that, um, you know, with multiple of them, I've broken down and had, you know, fucking pretty heavy conversations and everything. Um, but it's just, you know, there's always, always time to take the piss. Yeah, fucking nice. I mean, I, that, I can yeah. only relate it, and the boys listening to this could only relate to, to being overseas. Everybody takes the piss out of potentially getting blown up being like centimetres away from getting blown up or, or dying and everyone's laughing about it. And that's how you get through, like have, going out again the next day. But then when someone does actually get knocked, you're like, all right, there's a there's a time. It's not a long time before you start taking the piss out of it again, but there is a time where you're like, all right, let's be fucking real about it. Mm. But I think I could imagine, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I could imagine nothing worse than all your close mates thinking they've got to walk on eggshells around it when being real and taking the piss just makes it like a like things, everything goes on and... and, and it's normal. Well, that's, and that's the thing you, you look for with a diagnosis like mine is then normality again. I think the hardest thing about a diagnosis similar to mine um, isn't the diagnosis itself. It's you've walked in that doctor's office with someone and in that 15 minutes, your whole life has changed. Every single thing has changed. Like there's not one piece of your life that isn't influenced by this 10 minute conversation. Um, and that change is just so fucked that if then the boys, you know, because I've always just been like purely just one of the boys to start walking on eggshells around you, it, that's something else that's changed. You know, I, I want things to stay the same. And I was writing an email to a guy today. I get a lot of stuff about like, hey, my friend's being diagnosed. How should I go about it? And there isn't a way to go about it particularly. You know, you just need to be your mate. You need to be what, what you were yesterday is today. Nothing's changed except for this you know, small fucking growing fucking grenade in your head or whatever it is, but you're still mates, you know, there's a, a place and time for a serious, like, hey, mate, how are you fucking going? 
then there's a place and time for walking in like what up dickhead here's a beer fucking whatever um there's always a time for you know you look for things that haven't changed um it, it's such a weird thing knowing and that's where i was in the beginning diagnosed um with ptsd from that appointment um and i was sitting there with my sight being like fuck off mate because my oncologist referred me to see a um, psychologist because he saw a i think a vast change in my um behaviors through my appointments when i was seeing him like three times a week in in the initial things um he referred referred me out and the psychologist by talking through me through the appointment and being like you've got ptsd and i'm like no fucking i don't like you know i didn't get blown up none of the boys were shot you know whatever um he's like no no no, not not from that he's like you he's like what would you do if you get shot at I'm like oh you know the typical fucking run down crawl observe a fire piece and what do you do if you get blown up this what happens if you're a carcass someone loses their leg he goes those are all scenarios which you've probably played through your head before which you've trained to do um and you know that you've got some coping mechanisms to do he said you as a young man have never even had the thought that you're going to be pulled into a sterile white fucking doctor's office and told that you've got something growing in you that we can't do anything about it's going to kill you he said that is more traumatic to some people and you than anything else fucking would be he's like don't think that that isn't, isn't trauma as much as crashing your car is trauma um and he's like you know this is long-term trauma too it's not you know you've, the incident happened you've put a tourniquet on the incident done and dusted in 60 minutes he's like this goes on um and it was such a weird realization of i guess different because i always thought of traumatic trauma you know as it's you know, PTSD is something like, oh, you've been blown up. But him going, no, you know, this, you, in the army, you've trained for all these scenarios to happen and anything between that. Um, but never would you think 21, 22, you'd have pulled in and this happened. Um, and that was a big sort of realization for me then to, you know, think about what I needed to do to, to come more to terms with it. Because what, so, I mean, we've got a, a phrase or, or a, a, an, an acronym because we're, obviously a veteran founded organization. So we love acronyms, but so we did a study and we got trip, right? Tribe, routine, identity, purpose were the four biggest things for mental health decline. But one of them was identity. Hmm. So like, how do you identify now as, are you Willie, Willie's got brain cancer? Are you Willie the fucking AJ? Are you Willie the, the fucking celebrity? What's the- that depend It depends who you ask. Um, because Williams and Willie's a fairly common fucking last name. Um, around the unit, I was always cancer Willie. Uh, it's just like, which Willie are you talking about? Because there's two of us. There's mechanized Willie and cancer Willie. Like, it's cancer Willie. And you hear all like the new young subbies, but you can't fucking say that. It's like, yeah, you fucking can. Um, amongst the boys, it's always OAM Willie to take the piss out of me. Um, yeah, are we supposed to be calling you sir or what's the. Uh... Well, we actually told, we told all the new lids. Um, they had to call me His Excellency and salute me. <laughs> so I'm fucking rolling to work like the day after my parade and there's all these brand new fucking lids still in like all the cams of shame like the dpcus fucking throwing me boxes and he's like you know your excellencies what the fuck um we kept going for like a week until like one of the o's was just like you guys can't keep this shit up like, like and <laughs> you yourself here like fucking funny to it um look my, my identity you know always was as just a digger um you know, that changed a couple of days ago getting out. But, you know, I, I might have done some, you know, shit. And, you know, that, that 
um, element that I have a semi-large following and I'm, you know, what, but like, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. It's always just being on one of the boys at work. Um, I was always just, you know, digger with, that, that's just who it was. Um, and that identity, I guess, is getting, you know, changed a little bit now, getting out and I guess I'll be on a research again, um, you know, finding uh, where I fit in the city world. Uh, and I think that was actually one of the hardest things because I went off work for 13 months doing chemo because um, I did 12 uh, sorry, 12 rounds of chemotherapy over 13 months. It was real fucked. Um, but I came back, and you guys know what it's like in grunt units. The overturn of guys is very fucking quick. Um, and in that time, you know, so many of the boys I served with had left. Um, and the ones who knew me sort of knew of me but didn't know me. Uh, and I think when I first came back into the companies, I was tiptoed around a little bit. I was like, oh, it's fucking Willie or whatever. Um, and that was one of the shittest things um, was it was sort of somewhat special treatment. And it was like, fuck. Um, and it wasn't something I wanted at all. Um, but that that overturned pretty fucking quick. But, um, yeah, I think that identity thing, uh, it, it's definitely changing now. Um, and it'll be funny to see where I end up. But as far as, like, um, you know, fucking celebrity really is the absolute last fucking thing I'd want to do. Mate, the the way you just explained that, I think you're already leaps and bounds. I mean, obviously your your scenario is fairly unique, but you're leaps and bounds ahead of where most people are when they transit. You've been out for two days, um, and you've already seen that what your identity is needs to change now because you have what well, your words were. I I've got to find where I fit in civil world. I'm like, that is the one of the biggest problems with a lot of the lads when they're getting out, guys and girls, is getting out, not even thinking about where they fit in the civil world and just going, I am a veteran now. I'm a, and that, that, that is my only focus as far as re-identifying. I was a soldier and now I'm a veteran. And that and that's a massive downfall. Being a veteran part of your identity, definitely. But mm. if that is your only identity moving forward, that's that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Well, that so shits me off massively. Um, because like, I'm not sure if you guys have watched the most recent like, YouTube video I did. But I don't want, and I sort of talk about identity a little bit in losing, because it was, the, the video is called like my last day in the army, or my last day in uniform maybe. But like, it, it's all about like, I want the army to be a chapter in my life and have other ones written. Of course, that first, you know, I'd say it's the first chapter. That influences fucking everything going forward as high schools are fucking big chapter two. It's all influential, but I don't want to be that fucking guy who all he's ever done is fucking army shit. Um, there's some fucking funny memes about it, like, 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 mate, you served 10 years ago for fucking five years, and it's all you've ever done. Fuck off. Um, you know, I want in another, you know, because I served just over six years, I hope that, it, you know, down the path, it's, you know, I, I introduce myself, as, oh, I do this, not, I used, I don't identify and have everything I do in my life is what I used to do and who I used to be. Um, it's always, it's always going to be a fucking big part, but like, I, you know, I sort of want to move on from that and be like, look, always have big ties in the vet community, um, and some, um, I can use my sort of um, following to influence, you know, better outcomes for vets. But it will never be that's all I do. You know, I start a fucking some bullshit brand or whatever, just charging, you know, future vets to do shit like it's just bullshit. Um, but yeah, I hope to, you know, change. I mean, to a new identity. 
It's funny, isn't it? Because you go to high school and you play on the high school football team. You don't then go be a plumber and be like, yeah, no, I was an ex-high school football player. I was, yeah, mate, I was ex-year 12. Um, or people change jobs in Civvy Street and they go from being a plumber to an electrician. They're like, yeah, mate, what's going on? Like, oh, I used to be an ex-plumber, mate. Like, <laughs> no, you're an electrician. That's who, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a funny one. I think it's just... Um, I think particularly with like grunts, it's probably the coolest thing you'll ever do. Um, it's sort of like, oh, fuck, you know, I, I want to be remembered for the better times. And it's always that you look back on things as better than it used to fucking be. I guarantee if you could transport yourself back into the breezeways somewhere, you'd be sitting down going, boys, this is fucked. I'm bored out of my brain. I've got no Tinder swipes left. Like, this is shit. Um, but you look back on it like, oh, this was fucking awesome. Like... You know, it, it's, you know, you've got to sort of be realistic about it too. Like, the Army's fucking awesome. People have the best times. But, you know, you left for a reason. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. But you always look back on things as better. And it's uh, it's the, the good old days and the glory days for a lot of people. Um, and I hope that my glory days still still lie ahead of me somehow. Yeah, fucking hope. And that is, that is amplified on deployments. Everyone gets on trips. The first month and a half, you're good, you're loving it. And then after about a month and a half, two months, everyone's like, fuck, I can't wait to go home. And mm. then a year and a half later, you look back and you're like, fuck, I wish I was back over. And you're like, do you really, mate? Like, I'm not sure, because most of that trip, you were whinging. <laughs> oh, yeah, fucking hell. Wow, you're not, you're not a digger if you ain't whinging about something. <laughs> correct, correct. That's probably part of the uh, identity piece that needs to change when people get out too. Yeah, oh, yeah. comes with us. It should yeah. just stay in the army, I think. Uh, I see it a lot with guys, you know, I got a large following and like, there's just some stuff I'm like, and I guess some people like message me with like, you know, almost um, that victim and veteran means the same thing. Um, and like, you know, I haven't been through a lot of the shit some like guys have at all. Um, but it's sort of like, yeah, I know, but like, you know, we were taught and like the whole fucking idea of like military training is to not then do this. Um, you've like automatically victimized yourself with it. Mm. Um, that's where I re flat out refused to go into rehab platoon at work. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm getting in trouble here, but I may have. They all still are. I may have looked at one of the senior commanders in a room full of people and gone, if you fucking put me over there, I will kill myself. And I was like, you can't say that. I'm like, no, I'm saying it because it's fucking true. Uh, I'm not fucking doing it. Um, no, because it was like, no, yes, the rehab platoon sits there for a reason. And you know, there's a vast majority of guys are there to do the right thing. But then there are those cancerous, more cancerous fuckers than me sitting there just on fucking Lizzie's paycheck doing fucking nothing but seeking a pension once they're out. Um, and I was like, no, if, if I'll either be on sick leave until you med separate me or you'll put me back into one of the rifle companies um doing whatever as just one of the boys um and you know we, we had to compromise because army medical wouldn't lift my restrictions um because i still wanted to be in the field with the boys you know doing shit um but you know we, we compromised and may have twisted some arms here and there to do some shit um but you know that that mentality because it's just the easy path um and it's something that's not right in the army is that you can you know just not do shit and still collect the same pay paycheck as the lad who's doing fucking everything. Um, and that was just not what I wanted to be. 
Um, and the same with my, my med separation. I could have pushed it and easily another six, 12, six, 12 months. But I was like, look, I'm not giving back as much as the army's giving me. Um, it's time for me to pull the trigger, leave, and then do something else. Mate, oh, I, okay, no, that's good. You're a poster boy for the for anti-victimhood mentality, mate. And and it's getting, uh, like you were saying, it's it's fucking gross, mate. The level of victimization that people are, like, like I said, veteran to victim, uh, and it's what we're standing for is is own your circumstances. And you're an absolute bastion for that, mate. I like, accept if I want to go to the pub though, because the best the, when I cash in my victim card all the fucking time for boys. Because I'll like, you know, it'll be like a Friday afternoon. I'll like message one of the lads, like, hey, let's go to the pub. They're like, oh, no, I don't feel it, man. And I'll straight on be like, you know, I've got brain cancer. I don't know when my next Friday's coming. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> them. <laughs> if you've got the cards, cash them in. It's the only one I've got. Do they come? Yeah, fucking up. <laughs> I think they've given up on me now. But um, yeah, in the beginning, it worked fucking brilliantly. What, like, so what is the. So at the point where you start, you, you're doing the whole chemo stuff, were you allowed to smoke weed during chemo? Not in the army? Was it medical? Are we, do we do uh, that? Look, you know, like I did it. Um, hang on, heart fucking didn't. But you're not allowed to um, under military medical. Um, in CV medical, you can take CBD oil, which I also didn't. Um, my take on it, which is, I guess, a little bit, um, uh, I'd say, beyond the level of, um, reading a Google fucking fiber article um, was that your CBD oils and weed and whatever doesn't um, it, it's, it's to supplement um, existing treatment. So um, everyone knows chemo makes you incredibly sick, um, primarily with nausea to the point where you can't do it anymore. Um, my understanding, talking to my oncologist, oncology team, I should say, is more. People did CBD oil and weed and whatever um, to allow themselves or are more comfortable right through chemo and do more of it. So weed is not going to kill your fucking tumour. No matter what Google said, it's it's not happening. But it may reduce the effect of traditional treatment. So then instead of doing two months of chemo, you can push to three. Um, and it's, you know, something to supplement them. Um, now, I have not much, I have not, not much, I have zero experience in the area Um and it's something that you're like, well, you know, why not? Um, I would employ anyone if, if they're going through that shit of, you know, it can't hurt you. Um, I remember fucking being an angry dickhead sort of, people would have thought I was a low two. Um, his wife had left me, walking into chemo, all fucked up in me, like shit gown and whatever. And there was dickheads out the front, hooked up to chemo, smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, you selfish fucking pricks. Like... And what pissed me off was I'd walk into the, the chemo ward's fucking traumatic. It looks like it looks like the start of Saving Private Ryan, but with all these people fucked up um, from cancer. But like then there's me fucking cruising in. But then there's like kids there who had like tumors that they will not beat, um, trying to get a couple more months of fucking life doing fucking the worst treatment in the world. And then there's these fucking assholes out the front who have lung cancer from just smoking two packs a day hooked up to a chemo bag and haven't bothered giving up cigarettes. Um, it's shit like that. And I'm like, nah, you know, if you, you know, want to give yourself the best hopes and you're doing all this chakra shit and it's in the best way of, you know, in the good light of trying to beat this, then absolutely go for it. Um, that includes weed and diet and all that. Um, you know, the, the medical evidence um, 
isn't there officially. There is evidence, but it's not um, it's not done yet through the correct train uh, correct sort of chains. Um, and that is one of the things I actually funded um, back on the question of, I guess, medical marijuana, CBD, THC. Um, I shouldn't say funded. I gave some money to, into the funding. Um, so Charlie Teo in Sydney was doing the, first, well, the world's first medical trials of, um, oh, fuck, I'll fuck up the name here, but it was like direct, uh, like direct, com uh, direct contact, like um, CBD, THC on tumours. So instead of just smoking a joint, sitting around going, this chemo is not too bad, it was a brain operation where they will cut you, you open, crack your skull fucking open, and whatever they've pulled out of this, put it like on a, um, the wafers that they put on the fucking tumour. So it's like directly on it. Um, now, there's all the evidence. We can have all the evidence in the world of this, but unless it has gone through the correct medical trials, chains, you know, all this shit, you're not going to get it on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme um, and it's not going to be a thing. So he's like, I know we're jumping through these hoops, but the hoops exist to then get it there. Um, and it's going to be five or 10 years. Um, so that was one of the things we raised in 2019. The money all went into um, primarily that trial. There was a few other trials, but primarily um, that trial um, that is sort of still in the works now because um, they're waiting for people to die to get more information back. Yeah, I mean, I, so there's a long history of cancer in my family. I lost my sister to it. That's why I got out of the army. Um, and this was about 10 years ago. And I was back then looking at all, I, I used to be, a, well, used to be, still am, loved going down rabbit holes, finding conspiracy theories and pretending I know everything about everything. But um, I was looking into uh, cannabis and fasting and a whole bunch of different diets because hmm. nutrition is kind of my thing. Um, and a lot of them, the, you're right, the 10-year mark's about from where, some most likely highly intelligent, slightly nutcase person comes up with a theory, tests it on himself or someone they know, um, write a blog about it and pretend that they've just cured everything on the planet. It mm. takes about 10 years. And, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys that do have accurate kind of information, they get written off as, as kind of quacks, but it takes about 10 years before people uh, far more intelligent put it through the, the, the right process and, and find ways to make it work and like keto i oh, sorry not keto fasting was one of those things and back then they were telling people that if you fast you cure anything mm. uh, and i i mean the, the reality i think it does definitely make your, your immune system a lot healthier but now when you're getting people up the high end of the research spectrum going there's it's not one or the other there's a combination of both we can start to merge all this stuff together and we're going to have some good results mm. but it's going to be another five or so years before it's mainstream Kind of all oncologists using the same the same method. Yeah. Well, the big the big one that's come in um, to oncology in Australia um, is Australia as of 2018. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's 2018 is the first country in the world to prescribe exercise for um, cancer patients. Um, that it, it fucking prescribed. It's not a recommendation that they've seen the benefits of exercising um, with any cancer treatment, any cancer in general. Um, is so fucking good and you know the, the, there's a really big articles on it but it's like if it was a pill it would be on the PBS tomorrow um, you know but it's something you actually have to go out and do um, now if you go to um, the cancer cancer council has um, for free with anyone you know is um, to see like a exercise um, physiologist or whatever it fucking is and like a gym you can go to and all this stuff uh, and it's free 
um, you know, and exercise is one of those overlooked things in, you know, there's, I guess the, um, I guess there's a bit of a, a triangle of cancer treatment that there are tumours that are going to kill you no matter what. There are tumours you're going to live through no matter what, and there's ones you can increase your life expectancy with. Um, and I guess your treatments go into that too. Um, that there are things that may do somewhat, but it's like, is it enough that you're going to bother doing it? Um, say your, um, say say keto dieting, uh, and this isn't a good example. But say if a doctor said to you, yeah, you can um, go keto, and it'll, it'll it'll help you, but it'll give you 12 more hours over your fucking life expectancy. You might go, fuck that, I'll give up that 12 hours just to smash palmies and cake and shit. Um, there, there, there is, and there is a limit. You speak to an oncologist, they're like, yeah, look, don't change up too much stuff in your life. The biggest thing with chemotherapy is they're like, you're, we're about to ingest a toxin into you that it will affect everything. We don't want you to change fucking anything. It's like, even if your diet is fucking trash, leave it the same because at least your body knows where that is. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of research will come out in that um, the space of more, um, you know, um, dietary requirements and everything for um, cancer, you know, uh, testing. Or but but the, probably the big one is even stress. Um, like your stress levels directly influence your immune system, 100%. Um, and that's probably a big one. I'd say, you know, I've got nothing to back this up, but where your things like marijuana and stuff come in will be to reduce your stress um, going through those initial diagnosis days through the treatment, whatever. Um, and if that can make you do a couple more rounds of chemo, then fucking brilliant. Um, you know, or chemo or whatever other treatment. Because you were a, so you, mate, you're training for selection, your apps in your fucking young and, and fit, mm. right? 10 foot tall bulletproof. You're about to start chemo. Were you like, it's, ah, oh, yeah. Chemo makes you a little bit sick prior to doing it. Were you like, you know, I've got this, this won't be as bad as they make it out. Or like, what was your chemo journey, mate? Uh, my chemo journey was real fucked. Uh, in the beginning, it was all right. Like, you know, it was like, um, you know, well, initially it was three months. It was like, you'll do three months of chemo. Um, of chemo. And I'm like, fucking dope. Um, anyway, like, it wasn't that bad in those three months. Because um, I'd do a week on and three weeks off to recover. Um, and, you know, it was that week. I'd have the week on where I couldn't do much. And then, you know, half a week after that. And then I could, for two weeks, I was on sick leave from work and I could smash beers with the boy. Um, but then, you know, at that, like, six-month mark, I just ended up um, pretty much in, like, hospital uh, for, like, every round um, and ended up in ICU for, like, two weeks because um, I was just that crook. Uh, all my veins collapsed in my arms. Um, like, yeah, they had to bring down, like, the ICU surge just to give me a bag of fluid um, because they couldn't get any sort of... Um, IV access anyway, like everything had just gone. Um, and then I was just holding on, like by my fingertips for that final six, seven months. Um, it was every round was fucked. It's just poison, man. Like it poisons, like, because um, I tried to work out as much as I could. Like in those beginning months, I could, you know, do light shit. Um, but then, you know, there was a point at which, you know, I had to put like a comfy chair between my bedroom and the couch because I couldn't walk from my bed in the morning to make it to the couch i'd have to walk you know get up walk that six meters to a chair 
sit there, like maybe have a snooze, like recontemplate my fucking life. Um, you know, like some fucking like wind socking on a pack march and then like, you know, fuck try and make it and collapse into the couch. Like, you know, it it was it was one of those things. It was fucking horrific. It poisons you from your fucking toenails through your eyelids to your it poisons your whole body. Um it's it's not exhaustion like oh, I'm a bit tired. It's exhaustion. My cells through my whole body are being killed. Any cell that's rapidly dividing is being killed straight away. Um, you know, it, it's a very um, it's a weird. The only way I can really say it's like the worst hangover of your life every day. Um, where you're like this is you know this is fucked, but it's not too bad. Then it's the next day and the next day and it's for six months. But it feels like a terrible hangover when you wake up and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? Um, it, it's like that. Um, and I don't know if I could physically do more. Um, I remember I was in a key, uh, in a oncology ward with my mum, and it was like two months after chemo, and I'm just sitting there, and they someone walks past with like a plastic, they like your pharmaceutical plastic fucking bags, and they had the temozolomide uh, drug, which is what I took in it. And I had like a full um, physical reaction to the drug. Uh, I basically like, and I'm just sitting there like, just like this, hanging out. Next thing I'm like collapsing, throwing up, fucking every, like, um, they're just seeing the fucking, um, like the bottle that the drug comes in, um, just because I had that physical reaction to it. And by the last, you know, six months of it, because um, mine was an oral, fucking like an oral tablet I was taking, I had to have it like hidden beneath like um, tissue paper. Um, and I'd have to like close my eyes and sort of grab it because I couldn't physically see it because um, I'd just be fucked. Um, some people have a really good reaction to it. Some people have a really bad one. Uh, what my oncology team was saying basically is everyone feels the same on chemo to some degree, but it's where they're used to living. So if you're, you know, um, 60 years old and not fit, you smoke and do whatever, you sort of feel here normally and then you drop down to here with chemo. If you're a 20-year-old man who works out and does all this shit, you feel that that drop of how you feel is so much to where you can't walk 10 metres um, without, you know, one of the parents guiding you. Um, it's just such a weird thing. Um, and it just killed my brain. Like, I can't remember shit um, other than feeling real bad. Um, but yeah, it was fun times. It was fucking heaps fun. <laughs> For 13 fucking months, plus like six months afterwards. Have you kept... Okay. So I was gonna say, what, what memory loss is that? Is that still a thing, or is that was that just while you were going through it? No, it's it's sort of a lifelong thing. They call it chemo brain, just because things are so affected um, by the drug. Uh, I'm a lot better than I used to be, uh, or or I'm just like more fucking. Uh, I just forget about it more. But you just your brain. It, it's like um, it's just like having a shitty computer compared to a really good one. It's just slow. Everything's slow. And I couldn't focus on two things at once. So, like, if I was watching TV, but there was, like, a lawnmower outside, my brain physically couldn't do it, so I'd have to turn the TV off. Um, and by the end of it, I had to sat, had to sit in a dark room, silent, like, dead silent, because I my brain didn't have, like, the fucking kilobyte capacity to process anything but dark light and nothing. Um, it was just like I was running that low. Uh, and... Probably the biggest thing was I couldn't um, hold like a conversation because I'd just forget where I was. Uh, and that still happens a little bit, but not as bad as it used to. Uh, but I remember sitting 
um, at a dinner with some of my closest friends, like people I'd known for fucking years and couldn't remember anyone's name. I'm sitting there like, I, I recognise that person, but I could not tell you who the fuck that is. Like, not a hope in the world. And that's pretty embarrassing, you know, asking someone, like, oh, who's that? And it's like, that's fucking Jess. You've known her for, like, 10 years. You introduced me to her. Um, you know, well, that's one of the boys. Um, yeah, re- really weird, weird feeling. Where's your... Coming out of that, what's your... Did you have coping mechanisms that people can can put in a day-to-day life, like learn a little... I know no one's going through chemo, but you're at the extreme of life is at the absolute worst it can be. Mm. Is there stuff and tools that you could give people that you learn and things that you want to, like, fuck, I wish I didn't do that? Yeah, it's... Look, there's, there's an element of hanging on. There's an element of you just have to hang on until it finish, and it will finish. Um, you just fucking hang on. Um, because you know the, this shit comes and goes, and, and I, you know, I always think back to like, say, um, if you're doing like a hard fucking course in the army or whatever, where it's like, well, I know these pricks have to feed me three times a day, and this PT session's fucked, but I know Brecky's got to come before the mess closes at night. Um, and I, you know, it was a bit like that with with chemo. It was like, look, I know it's fucked, but there's an element of they can only do give me this for so many rounds, um, and then I have to have a break. Um, and an element of like accomplishment, like the last round, I was three because I did like five um, sessions in each round, and I was like, if I just didn't take the last two rounds, it probably wouldn't make any difference. But there's a like, yeah, but I didn't finish it, you know, set that you're actually going to finish it as well, um, even if it's shit, at least give yourself the option to finish. Um, and another thing in it, I guess, is that you aren't the center of the fucking universe. Like I remember lying inside. Weeks, like weeks and weeks, just on my couch. My couch is like a permanent indent from where I was just fucked up there. Um, I should get a new one, but um, like it, it felt weird to me that the, every Thursday morning the guy'd come and get my bin and leave. And it, it was sort of like so many things in the world run on autopilot. You aren't, well, that don't influence you, and they don't give a fuck about you. The sun comes up and down every day, and it doesn't matter if I was, you know, some fucking warlord or some fucking shit cunt or doing chemo that shit just happens without me existing um and that was a weird realization especially with the bin man turning off every thursday to grab my shit and leave he didn't give a fuck he didn't know what was going on and it was sort of like fuck i'm not the center of the universe i'm just going through a bit of a shit time um you know the world doesn't revolve around me even if it gets really shit um and on the flip side even if it gets really good it still doesn't matter he still doesn't give a shit um and that was sort of a grounding of like, yeah, look, this is just something I'm going through. It has to end. I can pull the pin on this um, if I want to as well. Um, but there's a, there's a big element of just hanging on, you know, even if it's hanging on by your fucking fingernails. Um, you know, it, it's an element of you just got to just got to get through. I think that's fucking massive, isn't it? The the snowflake. Well, it's 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 coined as a snowflake method, like these days, isn't it? The world doesn't revolve around you. Mm. And there's dudes, I mean, relationship breakdowns, PTSD, um, when you get in the limelight so much and then you're out of it, I think that is a massive lesson, isn't it? That the world does not revolve around you. Yeah, it's been the best sort of um, realism check I've ever had. I, I say to a lot of people that cancer is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to me. Other than the dying thing, it's the best thing ever because it's given me such a reality check on you know, life and death and everything in between. Um, but it's, you know, something that is, you know, 
so precious that they've been not put up with some of the bullshit. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a, it been a really weird you know check on resilience and what matters. Um, and a lot of you see a lot of people just get caught up in shit that they can walk away from. I remember saying to some people, and it was, I was a lot more of a fucking savage. Like when I was first diagnosed, because I was just angry about shit. Like I, it felt so unfair. Um, rather than just being dealt a shit hand that is no one's fault, I almost was looking for people to fucking blame in this. Um, and saying to people about mental health, cunt, if your work is that bad, you're going to fucking kill yourself. Walk out. And I don't give a shit what job you're in. If you're in the army and you are going to fucking kill yourself, walk into BHQ, walk into the CO's office and you say, this is fuck, I'm going to kill myself if I'm still here, get in the car and fucking leave. Or if you're in a relationship that is that shit, it's fucking killing you, fucking leave. Um, and I used to be, if I could walk away from a fucking tumour, I, I, I fucking would. I'm doing everything in my power to get rid of it out of my fucking head. If you're bitching and moaning to me about this problem that you can physically walk away from, fucking don't, you're a cut. Um, now, of course, I've changed up my mindset a lot more because I realise that's you know, not the healthiest way of going about it, but there's an element of truth still in it amongst the other bullshit, I say, but there's an element of if you need to change shit in your life that's making you upset, fucking do it. Mate, winding back a bit, we're talking about fitness now being prescribed as a, as a well, try to, you didn't say treatment pathway, I forget what you said, but it's now being prescribed to people. Um, diet's a big part of, of, of health, regardless of what illness we're talking about. We love healthy routine. Mate, what, what's your day-to-day? What's your fitness, nutrition kind of, what, what, what's your routine? Oh, smashing. Nah, um, fucking, well, it, it's changing a lot now with, um, you know, getting out of the, getting out of the army. Um, but it was a big comeback, I guess, into um, fitness off chemo. Um, it was very, very hard um, with you know, all your organs are fucked. Um, your bone density's on fucking low. Your lung capacity's dropped to shit. And you've lived a sedentary lifestyle for 15 weeks. Um, you know, and when I say sedentary, it's not even walking, you know, into the shops. You're sitting on the couch. You, you know, not good. Um, so it was a very slow comeback. But now, like these days, I try to work out five, six times a week. I'm still nowhere near um, what I used to be. And I, to be honest, I don't think I could ever get back there either. Uh, I just don't. There's certain things where I'm like, oh, I should progress faster than that. And I'm like, well, and I have a lot of people like, you have no idea what your body's gone through, like you've probably got lasting shit that just, you know, because my stomach is still fucked um, because it ruined my stomach, um, the chemo, uh, and it's never, ever been even close. Um, but I use exercise as much as a coping me- mechanism as a health thing to stay fit. Um, like, I enjoy the shit out of working out, and, um, like, I enjoy the shit out of doing PT with the boys at work. Um, that was one of the biggest things, going back to doing, you know, morning 7.30 fucking PT with the lads, even if I was the last guy by a mile because I was all fucked up, um, it's still such an important thing. Um, so that meant a lot. And even now, I still, well, for the last couple of months, people have been calling me crazy on social media because I've been about to unpack marches with some of the boys and whatever. But you're getting out. Why are you doing that? Um, but it's something familiar to me. You know, it's something that, you know, there's an element of I'm still able to get out and do this. It's not as bad as I think. Um, you know, there's a, well, eventually my tumour will come out. The first signs will be neurological issues. I'll start losing um, functionality in my right side, particularly. 
and it's like, fuck, well, I better do it while I can. I better do all this shit. Um, so I'm still keen in to, you know, get signed onto the base and do some of the stomps with the lads and do some shit. Um, like, yeah, my exercise routine's no fucking, um, like, no fantastic bloody thing, but, you know, I'm in the gym. I do what I can. Um, and, you know, it's it's a level of fun and work at the same time. You know, I still like doing do stuff that I enjoy, um, whether that be having a beer with the boys or, you know, having a party on my last day. Um, but then there's also that element of, oh, I'll do a gym workout because I enjoy it. Um, Toys? Yeah, flipping fucking tires everywhere. And that's the thing. It, it's shit that I've become, like, um, like, known for that because now it's, like, everything is just like willie's the reason we're fucking doing this you prick like i'll just get i'll get photos like every day of boys no matter what unit if they're flipping a tie like you're the reason we're doing this yeah so like damn it like, you got me what's your so what's it so your purpose now moving forward um <laughs> going through that shit place where you were when you decided you're like you know what i can sit here and wallow in it or i can i can i can get behind a cause and fucking fight this fucking thing and, and my, my purpose is now mm. well like my purpose has changed a lot like originally as a young dick everything was everything was army related um and for a while for a long time it was selection related um and then you know i lost all my purpose with the tumor and then it became um the fundraising exposure exposure for um cancer um which you know massive massive purpose of my life still sits there um, I guess my purpose now is, I guess, um, there's an element of, like, um, sailing a ship with a hole in it and seeing how far we can fucking go. And that's more, like, my purpose now, if this sort of makes sense, I guess, is to see how far someone with my diagnosis and my prognosis and whatever can fucking push it. Um, and, I, and I guess in that element of, um, like, in my Instagram bio, it says, like, redefining terminal illness. Um, I, I want people to have a different outlook on if you're watching a movie and the bad guy has a fucking brain tumor, you're like, oh, that cunt's fucked. He's dying. Um, I, I want that to sort of um, not be the case. Um, and if there's an element too of, you know, um, awareness and fundraising and shit in that, then that's even better. Um, but I guess my purpose now is to sort of see how far I can push it um, in what, however long I've got left. It's going to really trip me up, though, if I live for, like, another 60 years because I'll just be broke as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, the boys at work keep telling me, it's like, Willie's going to get cancer and die of AIDS. It's going to be fucked. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? So this is, we don't know when it's going to knock you off, right? So I was going to say, hey, man, it'd be great to get you back on the podcast, but you could be dead in the next one. Or Yeah, I can I could be here for 20 years. Yeah, it could be suit. It could be, you know, he said in the beginning, it's exclusive. This could be fucking heaps exclusive. <laughs> um, that was like all that artwork I was going to release for charity, but I sort of backed off it because I'm like, oh, I might look like a dick. I was going to do like just like shitty A4, like dick drawings and sign them and sell them for like 10 bucks a piece. But I only have like 10 of them for sale. Um, and then be like, can't all artists, all their art goes up when they die. You're fucking cashing in. <laughs> It could be five years and you sell it for 10 grand. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I know um, I tripped up my OC because when I came back off chemo, um, pretty much no one in the company, we were back in private company, no one in the company fucking knew me. And the OC pulls me out the front and like, yeah, this is Willie. He's gone through, you know, some shit. Willie, do you want to say a few words? And I stand up there. I'm like, yeah, thanks, sir. Um, 
lads probably don't know me. I'm Willie. I've got brain cancer. Um, the good thing is having me in Bravo Company might mean we get our first kill since the trips in 2012. In 2012. And he's just, the OC is just looking at me. Oh, you fucking asshole. I've done this to bring you in. And you've just gone full lad mode. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Someone's gonna do it. First, first domestic kill for the RAR. Mm, fucking oath. I keep telling the boys they're gonna bury me in the CTA and have to do like a fucking salute me on the way around as they're stomping every day. Mate, they'll be pissed if they thank fuck you got out of the army. They have to wear polys now, do they? Oh yeah, yeah, they'd have to. <laughs> so what do you do? What's um what's going on? Um, with your with your charity, with your fundraising, mm. like, what's going on with you in the next sort of twelve months? Oh, well, a lot of it will depend on um, on this fucking this virus you might have heard of going around. I'm not sure if you guys got it. Um, where you are, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's reached that part of Australia yet. Um, but a lot of it will depend on that because my initial goal was to get out of the army and travel, um, and you know it, everything's sort of gone to shit. Um, so that is really in the works of what I do because um, it was always uh, international travel. So now it'll have to sort of change domestic. Um, but I want to go down the path of um, like my YouTube and the media shit um, down there, um, sort of down that path. And eventually what I want to do really is um, travel into, you know, uh, less fortunate countries um, and, you know, sort of follow my journey through that. Um, and that's as much a personal thing, like, you know, that has, you know, and there's always, like, everything I do will always have an element of fundraising and whatever in it. Um, but it's just a personal thing. I want to go through and film and take photos in, you know, any anywhere. Um, my, my life goal now is to experience shit, and I want to experience a lifetime worth of stuff um, in, you know, however long I've got. And that goes into... Um, not just good either it goes into good and bad you know i want to experience you know good and bad and right and wrong and all this shit um and i think traveling is one of the best ways to expose yourself to that especially you know in um a lot of countries you normally wouldn't go to now COVID's fucking a bit there um what is it COVID? everyone's like ah, i'm not going to get it i'm not immune com immunocompromised but you, if you get it, are you brown bread or what? I don't know. Um, I, I, I know I could have definitely milked a bit more time off work with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I fucking should have too. Um, but I'm actually not sure. There's, you know, I think they're looking at uh, bigger picture shit rather than some random dude with a tumour. Um, but I probably wouldn't want to get it either. Um, I don't know. But I'll keep my mask on. Mate back to travel i was oh. i was tracking your stuff i don't know i was probably i was a year or two back now you went to the states hanging out with um fruity rudy how was he that was the fucking loosest trip that was the loosest fucking trip ever um because i flew there like my, my mate rang me um like friday afternoon and was like hey you're coming to the states with me tomorrow for um sophic that uh, special operations force international conference and i'm like sure I was like, there's no way I can. And I was sort of like, hey, man, like, as much as I wanted to go, I sort of had that element of that I didn't. And I was like, nah, bro, like, I can't get the time off work. And he's like, is your OC still such and such? I'm like, yeah. He's like, wait out. And he texts me back, like, hey, I've spoken to your OC. Um, put leave through. He'll approve it on Monday. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, damn it. Um, so I'm over there just 
you know, like any military conference, it's all serious work and no play. Um, and then, yeah, we flew into LA and we had a, a mutual friend um, who was an ex-serving member in Australia hook us up. Um, and he's a legend. He's just like in um, Jen Kill. Um, yeah, big boy, lovely guy. Um, fit as fuck. Fit as fuck. Um, I think there's some extra um, extra help on the fitness side. Um, through some, through some fucking prescribed stuff. But um, no, nah, he, he's such a fucking weapon. He's an, he's an awesome dude. Yeah, I feel the boys um, that, that are still in in Sydney. Um, there's a there's a link there somewhere. I think a few of them obviously they go on uh, exchange for, for SF trips overseas to America. But I was telling one of the girls in our office um, about that. Is it Force Blue or Blue Force? One of the uh, two. Force. Yeah, it's the scuba diving rebuilding the reef. Yeah, cleaning up the reefs and stuff. And she's like, if we have to part, if we we got to find a way to partner with that because she's a massive greenie wants to clean up the entire planet. And now, of course, that's that's our problem. She dictates what we get to do. So, there's, yeah, yeah well, we're gonna have to find a way to, to to do some ocean cleaning with them down the track. I think. Yeah, we looked at um, we actually looked a lot into that um, about you know having like a a chapter move into Australia and what the requirements would be on it. Um, that was a while back now, but yeah, we did have a fair bit look. But it's a it's a good program. It's a good um, and they sort of do it in a militarized way. Um, of having like a mission profile sort of element to it of yet we're going mm. and doing this and it has that sort of um all your steps of an operation through it and actually having an end, end goal to achieve not just hey we're going to go down to the rsl have a beer and complain about our problems yeah um, mate 100 percent mm. that I, I, there, there's a lot of potential for that fixing the the, the reef up great barrier north queensland oh yeah absolutely what do you sort of so what's your stuff you're doing um i mean do you are you reading books are you absorbing content at the moment um yeah like oh, i've always been a reader um somewhat um i'm sort of trying to not absorb anything on social media at the moment um which is weird for someone who has a large following just because it's so fucking it's it's terrible everything on social media just, yeah um but i guess as far as um in uh in relation to the elections or just life and just, social media just life like i'm sort of like can we get back to when instagram was posting photos of your food and your arts like yep. why the fuck are we talking about shit that doesn't one it doesn't influence you two you have fucking no idea on it like that people ask me if you're going into politics i'm like fuck that i'm way too honest uh and like like parliamentary privilege sounds awesome but like i've been in a lunchroom with the boys and that wouldn't go well um <laughs> like there's an element of um like i try and absorb off um i really try and absorb off my mates like i have a lot of friends who have transitioned um well before me um and a lot of friends who are doing some fantastic shit so i've really been trying to just absorb you know mistakes they've made so i don't make them which i'll make every single one of them um but as far as yeah absorbing and it's been a lot of like i guess um inner searching of me like where you know now that i'm out where um, do my passions lie? What do I give a shit about? Um, and going from there. But traditional me traditional media, I don't try not try not to absorb any of it because I want to do my own thing without you know too much influence from people that are fucking flogs. Good call, mate. There's a lot of people out there should be listening to that one. Yeah. Where do we go, mate? Where where, where are people going to come and find your stuff? Where can they 
your social handles, your fundraising? How do they support you and how do they support the cause you're doing, man? Yeah, so um, if you go onto Scott Morrison's page, I'm on there. No. Um, <laughs> so does my, pretty much my, like, my handle for fucking everything has really been in cancer. Like, it'll pop up, um, like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. That's primarily where I am. Um, my most active is Instagram as far as, like, um, replying to messages and whatever. Like, I reply to every, every message I ever get, I reply to there. Uh, but if that's the only one I can fucking... Man, man, the power on all the time. Um, but then I guess my most content or finding out about cancer and everything is on my YouTube. Um, but both of those, um, you know, I really implore people to reach out if they have any questions or um, want to know more or whatever. I'll shoot them in the right direction or, you know, just like your message and leave. <laughs> what, what you, I mean, uh, the, the ScoMo quoted you in the Australia Day. It is, well, sorry, it was uh, the Queen's Honours Awards Day, wasn't it? Oh. It was, um, yeah, they did it. Uh, I was quoted on Anzac Day, um, which was the initial thing is his speechwriter rang me just to find out some shit about resilience. Um, he rang me. And then, like, two days later, he's like, I get a text off his number going, hey, the boss is ringing you today. And I'm like, oh, who the fuck's the boss? Like, thinking it's just some subby. Um, next thing, it's, like, the, the boss boss. Um, and then, yeah, went through the whole um, Order of Australia thing. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's... One of those things, it's, you know, it, I think it means a lot more to a lot more people than it means to me. Um, like, yeah, I, you know, recognition for the work you've done is, you know, no one's going to say it's great. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, I, I don't see myself on any pedestal at all to that, that amount. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's me doing the thing. Um, and I wouldn't do it differently. I, I've, I've spoken a lot about tomorrow, if there was a silver bullet cure for my tumour, and I got, you know, cured, and I'm I'm fine. Um, I would still have a vast element of my life that was devoted to, um, you know, cancer research, mental health, and veterans. Um, and particularly on the cancer and mental health thing, just because I've seen the effect it has, um, and it was like even if and I was so, um, like I didn't even know it really existed until you know. I had my own diagnosis um, and, you know, I'd still, even if I was silver bullet cured, I'd still have elements in there. And it's not that I'm doing anything special. Um, it's just, you know, I'm just doing my thing. And I, I say that to as many people as I can, because it's not like people think that my words mean more because I've got 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm like, it doesn't mean fucking nothing. My word is not better than anyone else's. I'm not some smart fucking like, why when Cardi B writes something, is it like, oh, she doesn't like President Hood? It's like, how the fuck does that person have any more insight than I do? And, pe and people start like, like the fucking Scott Morrison quoted me. And I'm like, Jesus. Um, like, don't quote me. Um, yeah, what was your quote? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Not even like quote. I just said it in conversation. I'm just, I'm just in. Um, I mean, like, the, the funniest thing to come out of that, the fucking best bit was he called me on, on Anzac morning in front of like the whole country at the dawn service instead of corporate Williams he called me corporate Williams and I, I've never lived I've never lived it down like it doesn't matter who it is at work so I'll get a corporate e-gum and it's like fuck um, but no it's, it's all it's all good he's a, he's a lovely guy like no matter um, no matter anyone's political views you know 
aside, he's a fucking fantastic guy. Um, like he, like, you know, and supports, you know, me, um, both on a personal and, you know, whatever level. Um, like I got a handwritten Christmas card of him this year just to see that everything's going well. Um, and I think that is something I'd like to put down that that is the support diggers have. I know they may feel like, you know, there's a lot working against them, but media will always pick up poor traction against the defense force. Um, then the media is never going to pick up that the prime minister of the country has written some lowly fucking dig down at the 7th Battalion a letter to see how he's going because he's going through a hard time. But that's, that's not going to trend. Um, and that's probably one of the big things is, you know, I've had a lot of exposure to those um, higher ranks of government and, um, uh, like, army. And the, the, at the end of the day, there may be a few bad apples, but the boys are still there for the boys. Um, and I remember one of the um, commanders basically saying to me, Willie, the only difference between you and me is our rank slide might wear a fucking pip and a crown and whatever. Um, but the other 99% of our uniform is the exact same. I'm not better or worse than you and vice versa. I'm just at a different point in my career. And that's, you know, I like to think that the, the diggers have the support that I had all up and down the chain um, in the public eye as well. Mate, 100%. We, we had the privilege of meeting uh, the PM and we, we went in closed doors, mate. He kicked out, kicked out the media and he said, I mean, there was stuff going on about uh, one, of the, one of the big things in the, in the veteran space at the time. And he's like, so what's going on? What am I doing? What are we doing? What's your take on it? And without political stuff aside, left or right, whatever it is, the guy is a genuine... He, I, I think we can pick up bullshit. When you're diggers, you can pick up when your boss is bullshitting about whether it's the length of a patrol or weight, whatever, I think we we all as soldiers have a high level of emotional intelligence. Mm. And the dude is a genuine fucking nice guy, mate. And yeah. I, he gives a shit. And that's the support that I wish would get out more as opposed to, you know, people grandstanding and, and Instagram models and, and, and senators just trying to bash people mm. um, yeah. by their own, their own agenda. Oh, absolutely. But the, 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 the veteran community in itself has a lot to answer for too. There's a lot of toxic piss in our own community that it's like, fuck off, mate. We know you're all, we know you're full of shit. Um, and I think, you know, there's one of the biggest things that I'll miss, um, and I don't know how to remedy this, is the level of like grounding I got every single day off the boys um, as like, um, uh, like if I put up a post on Instagram and I was a bit cringy, I'd just get ripped. And it was like the best thing ever because I'd I'd have to like review everything in my mind of like okay how will this be seen and this and that, um, it's like the best echo chamber in the world, and it's like once you don't have that echo chamber, next thing you're doing all this other shit and everyone's like what the fuck you're not for the boys mate, um, like as soon as I spoke to the PM, the first thing that happened was I walked back you know it was like the live chat and then I walked straight back to the Bravo company, where'd you ask for an EKO you jack cunt that was the first thing said. <laughs> Um, and it's such a good, like, opposite to an echo chamber of, like, just the ultimate, um, like, desensitization to everything. Um, and that, that, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. Um, so I don't know how to do that. I might, I might have to make a big, like, group inbox, put up the thing, like, what do you think of this? Let everyone rip me and then see if I still want to do it. <laughs> Mate, I think it's not bad. Oh, that's how uh, it should work. It should just be a platoon of diggers. 
just in there. They're common sense section in Canberra, mate. So every time they've got to push through a policy, they're like, what do you reckon? Like, that is fucked. Well, that's what oh, I've always right. thought should happen um, up in Army HQ, is you have an unnamed, ununiformed digger out of one of the battalions there. And every you know, he's only there for like a month, so I don't give a shit. No one knows his name, he's just not in uniform, and everything has to run by him. So it's like, hey, we're thinking of implementing this. And there's just some guy at the back, and you go, that's fucking shit. And like, he's just like the offsider to like the chief of defense, and it's just got to go through a dig as well. Mate, are we going to change the world, mate? You got to have a solution, but you can't just say it's a shit idea. You got to have a better one. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just, just through the diggers' tribunal. Well, mate, fuck. Thanks for coming on, dude. And I think uh, our audience would have got a fucking lot out of that podcast in a dude who has got the literal shit end of the stick and polished it and turned it into a, a drive and a purpose in life, mate. And and it's inspirational to you coming on and even listening to you, mate, from mine. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. No, oh, boys, thanks for having me. Really, I uh, really appreciate it. I'm glad we could sort it out in like like a 16-hour turnaround. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, that was in it, mate. It was close. We were close. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, brother. Well, we'll chat to you soon anyway, mate.